mic on. Greetings, folks. This is Joseph. For the next few podcasts that I'll be putting up, it's going to be a, a little bit different than what you've expected. Normally, I put up me doing audio game demos, but this time I changed the description to gaming demos and other topics of interest. And I say that because this time, since we're in this uh, corona pandemic or COVID-19, I'm going to do a podcast from a friend of mine who gave me a link to a file. It's called Pandemic, Four Things That People of God Should Know. And this is going to be about a 50-minute presentation, 50 to 55 minutes. So enjoy the feature presentation of... Mic on. Pass four loaded with SPL friend. Pass five loaded with right. Adjustable. Mic off. Mic on. Pandemic. Four things that people of God should know. Mic off. Hello friends, my name is John Lomakang and welcome to 3ABN Worship Hour. You know, 3ABN as well as the rest of the world is now in a pandemic and the Lord has moved upon our hearts to provide Sabbath programming for those of you, which are many, that are not able to go to their worship services or to gather together in groups to worship the Lord. And we pray that we could encourage your hearts to trust the Lord in this time of many questions. And so from Sabbath to Sabbath, we encourage you to tune in for an encouraging, uplifting message to let us know that in spite of the fact that the world is gripped in a pandemic, heaven is still open for business. Today, our message is going to be entitled Pandemic. And before the message, though, I'm going to have Ryan Day come and begin with an encouraging song. You know, there are many things to complain about, but I believe the words of this song will encourage you. The words entitled, I Can't Complain. to see them go then 
the question, Lord, why so much pain? But he knows what's best for me, although I cannot see. I just say thank you. I can't complain. Oh, God is so good to me. Yes, He is so good to me. More than this world could be. He's so good to me. Amen. Amen. What an encouraging song. There are so many things to complain about, but praise the Lord when we turn our hearts to Christ and recognize that heaven is still open for business and Jesus is still Lord of all. I cannot complain. Bow your heads with me as I invite the Lord to speak to you at this very critical hour. Father in heaven, in this hour where there are so many things to think about, in this moment when the world is on the precipice of many questions without answers, we thank you, Lord, that when we turn away from the darkness to the light, that the things that we can complain about begin to vanish away. Thank you, Lord, for being near to us. We pray that you'll continue to be. And now take this message and speak to your people and bring peace to their troubled souls. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, friends, you most likely don't know who he is, but if you are alive at the time, or if I jostle your memory, you may remember what he is known for. His name is Victor Perrin. He was the ominous voice of the 1960s in a very well-known program called The Outer Limits. Now, if you were not born then, you may not remember, or if you were not in America, it may be something new to you. But here's what he said, very interesting, the following words. He said, there is nothing wrong with your television, your television set. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling transmission. For the next hour, sit quietly, and we will control all that you see and hear. We repeat, there's nothing wrong with your television set. He went on to say, you are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. Friends, I can say with certainty today that we have reached the outer limits in our imagination when we look at what's happening in the world today. For the first time in modern history, the world has taken a collective breath in anticipation of what is coming. People are wondering how to make sense of it. Where do I go? And we would like to adjust our television sets to see something differently, but every channel we turn to, whether in English or in Spanish or in Italian or in the many languages of the countries of the world, there is bad news on every channel. Well, trying to make sense of it, the Bible makes it very clear as to where we are headed. The words of the Apostle Paul fit in this critical hour. Notice what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. But he said, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Well, friends, think about it. 
when you look at the rising death tolls, a very sad picture, we have entered perilous times. When you look at governments trying to find answers to the crisis that's gripping the world uncontrollably, we have entered perilous times. When we look at the basic necessities of life vanishing away, we have entered perilous times. When we look at how nations that have often been places of vacation destinations now closing their borders, we have entered perilous times. But also, when we think of what's happening, when we go into the deeper recesses of our minds, it's hard to understand what's actually taking place. But in the Testimonies for the Church, volume 9, page 43, the servant of the Lord makes it clear as to what time we're living in. Notice what she says. She says, we are on the verge of the time of trouble, the very verge of the time of trouble. And perplexities that are scarcely dreamed of are before us. Now look at those words, scarcely dreamed of, meaning if months ago we came up with a scenario in our minds, we could scarcely dream of the kind of world that we're living in today. I'm a native of New York City. I receive phone calls from family members and they're saying the streets are practically empty. The highways and cars are traveling at minimum. I have family in the Virgin Islands. They were told by their governor recently to prepare for this as though a hurricane is coming and people are buying food. The store shelves and the supplies are vanishing. People are wondering when a virus uh, antidote will be developed. We are living in difficult times and things that we can hardly dream of, scarcely dream of, are before us. For the first time, the entire world has arrived at an unpredictable hour of apprehension. There is an irreversible, fearful anxiety that has descended on humanity. And for the first time, it doesn't matter what your race is, doesn't matter your political convictions, it doesn't matter whether you're Christian or atheist, every one of us is in the same basket. Every one of us has the very same concern. And the climate of the world should not be surprised. When the student of the Bible looks at the climate of the world, we should not be surprised by what we see because God's word revealed to us that these times would come. Notice the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 to 3. Notice what he says. He says, but concerning the times and season, brethren, he's speaking to the Christians, you have no need that I should write to you. In other words, God has told you this was coming for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And he continues in verse three. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And notice how he ends and they shall not escape. You know, friends, people are wondering how to escape. People are wondering, is there some place in the world that I can go where this disease is not? But hey, there's no place to escape. The only place that we can find escape is under the almighty power of God. As Psalms 91 says, under his wings we shall take refuge. And so friends, let me encourage you. Since we cannot find any place on the planet to escape to, let's escape to the presence of God through prayer. Let us escape to the presence of God through the study of the word. Let us take time to pull our families together and revisit those passages that bring hope and courage to our hearts. Let us look away from the news that's nothing but bad news and remember the gospel is still good news and God has not lost control. This is the time to recalibrate our walk with Christ. Examine our hearts because we are on the cusp of and the worst is yet to come, but after the worst has passed, the best will be there eternally. In the book, Great Controversy, we find some very startling words that bring us to a picture painting moment that helps us to see on a larger scale what God sees from heaven. Notice the Great Controversy, page 589 in paragraph two. These words fit the times in which we live. In accidents and calamities by sea and by land, in great conflagrations, in fierce tornadoes and terrific hailstorms, in tempests, floods, cyclones, tidal waves, and earthquakes, in every place and in a thousand forms, notice, Satan is exercising his power. He sweeps away the ripening harvest and famine and distress follow. 
He imparts to the air a deadly taint. And thousands perish by the pestilence, another word for disease. These visitations are to become more and more frequent and disastrous. Friends, the climate in which we live is just a taste of what's to come. We are just seeing the harbingers. We are seeing the clouds forming on the horizon. This is just a taste of what is to come. You know, the Lord said in his words, there will be famines, there will be pestilences, and there will be earthquakes in various places. But he said, these are the beginning of sorrows. And right now, the governors of our world, the presidents, the kings, the leaders, religious and secular alike are trying to find an answer to this virus. But so far, the only answer, I say it again, is found in Christ. The only place that we can find safety is putting our lives in the hand of the Lord who has never lost a case. The master physician is our only hope when there is no hope from our hospitals. But I want to say, pray for our doctors. Pray for the medical professionals. Pray that supplies will come to replenish all the supplies being used. Pray for the strength of those who stand 24 hours a day. Pray for our emergency workers, our police officers. Pray for those who are standing in the gap for us, hoping to find an answer to the perplexities that find us. You know, friends, when you look at the spread of this COVID-19, as it's now called, in just a matter of two weeks, it has gone from 57 countries to more than 150 countries around the world. And then look at the impact. Major sporting events in America and around the world have been canceled indefinitely. Schools are closed indefinitely. But here's the good news, but heaven is still open. Heaven has not closed. God is still on his thrones. Churches, I hate to say this, churches are canceling services, minimizing the crowds, but God is still answering our prayers. If you breathe a prayer, heaven doesn't need a text. They don't need a phone line. God will answer your prayers in this crisis hour. Major airlines are canceling travel. There are places where airlines don't go. Some airports look like ghost towns. Hotels are closing. Countries are restricting entrance from outsiders. And even in some cases, when you come into the country, you have to quarantine yourself for two weeks before you can enter into the general population. Major countries are closing their borders. What a crisis hour. But there is no crisis in the kingdom of glory. There is no crisis among the angels. We may not be able to see them, but God is sending reinforcements to your home. God is sending his Holy Spirit into your life. Just open his word and you'll find the light has not been cut off. The power has not been disconnected. Heaven is busy. And when we cannot find answers in our local communities, we can always find answers at the throne of grace. But friends, what's happening to men? Luke Faithful Dr. Luke has written the words that brings us to this crisis hour. Notice what he says in Luke chapter 21 and verse 26. He describes it accurately. He says, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. Notice what he says, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. People are wondering, where do I turn? But I want to tell you, as he talks about the powers of heaven, he is saying that men are looking up, wondering what's coming next. What do we do? To whom do we turn? How can we find answers when the people with the professional skills, the people at the highest levels in the CDC or the World Health Organization, even they are seeking answers to this crisis hour? But notice in the book, Prophets and Kings, a beautiful picture is drawn as to what kind of climate we are all now facing. Prophets and Kings, page 277. Notice these very words. How frequently we hear of earthquakes and tornadoes, of destruction by fire and flood, with great loss of life and property. Apparently, these calamities are capricious outbreaks of disorganized, unregulated forces of nature, wholly beyond the control of man. But listen to these words. But in them all, God's purposes may be read. They are among the agencies by which he, that is God, seeks to arouse men and women to a sense of their danger. Friends, danger, danger. 
Danger is on the right hand, on the left hand. Danger is above us. Danger is below us. Danger is right outside your doors, as some people haven't left their homes for days and in some cases for weeks, quarantining themselves. Danger. But I want to tell you, God is allowing these moments to be a time where he is saying to humanity, all the things you've trusted. And notice, casinos are closed. All the pleasure-loving palaces are being closed. Crowd sizes are being limited and discouraged altogether. Restaurants are closing, but I tell you, you can't find food in restaurants, but you can always find food in the Word of God. And I want to tell you, every time you open God's Word, the food is never stale. It is new every morning as God's faithfulness is. A crisis hour. God is allowing these times to come to let us know that when all the banks are closed and all the schools are closed and all the movie theaters are closed and all the amusement parks are closed and all the things that we had turned to are no longer there, we can turn to God. In America, in some of our major cities, National Guards are being activated to keep down populations, to sometime, somehow marshal uh, the, the resource and, and, and to keep people safe. Large businesses are closed, telling employees to work at home, work in your own privacy, stay safe, do the necessary things. Movie theaters, major stores and shopping malls are closed. Food supplies are vanishing. And I want to pause and say, did you ever think that this kind of hour would come to the entire world? For the first time, not World War II, not World War I, not the Vietnam War. This is not communist versus uh, uh, capitalism or republicanism or, or de democracy. The entire world is gripped in an atmosphere of what do we do next? And people are in panic mode, stocking up on food and water and supplies. Politicians, the wealthy and the poor are like are facing the same things. In America, we're praying for our president. We're praying for your president. We're praying for your leaders. We're praying for your parliament, for your Congress to come up with answers. But the question is, what's next? Well, friends, when we are wondering, God knows. When we think of the words in Matthew chapter 24, it describes perfectly what God knows. Listen to these inspired words. Matthew chapter 24, verse 32 and 33. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Well, friends, we're seeing all these things. We're seeing earthquakes. There were months when there were uncontrollable fires in America and in Australia. There were famine and pestilences around the world. People are dying of other diseases. We are seeing all these things. And the Lord is saying to us in his word, know that these are signs, indicators, harbingers, that the coming of the Lord is near. So we have to make it through by faith because one day all the sadness, all the heartaches, all the suffering, all the disease and death will one day not even be a memory. That's why it's important to trust God's word if there's anything that you can trust, you can trust God's word. But I'm going to take you to a quotation that really, for me, puts the entire label, the entire context of our world in perfect clarity. In the book, Education, page 179, these words are amazingly accurate to the times in which we live. Notice these words. The present is a time of overwhelming interest to all living. We can say that's true. Rulers and statesmen, men who occupy positions of trust and authority, thinking men and women of all classes have their attention fixed upon the events taking place about us. They are watching the strained, restless relations that exist among the nations. They observe the intensity that is taking possession of every earthly element and they recognize that something great and decisive is about to take place. And notice how it ends, that the world is on the verge of a stupendous crisis, a stupendous crisis. That word, pandemic, crisis, emergency, danger, it all fits into this climate. We are on the verge of something even larger. And the waves that are beating against the shores of time, 
the clouds that are gathering on the horizon are all letting us know that the worst is yet ahead of us. That's why, friends, listen carefully. If there's ever a time that you need to trust in the Lord because you can't trust your bank account, you can't trust the stock market. The stocks are going down. Savings are vanishing. And there's no answer in Wall Street. There's no answer in the parliaments of, of our world. Look on the horizon and listen to the heartbeat of the times. Look at the sands of times that are seeping through the hourglass of human history. We are on the verge of a stupendous crisis. And the only way to avert the crisis is to put your life in the hand of the Lord. Put your life in the hand of one who can deliver you through the crisis. In the Bible, God delivered Daniel. In the Bible, God delivered the Hebrews. In the Bible, God fed Elisha in a time of famine. In the Bible, God provided food for Israel when there were famines in Egypt. God provides, friends, and he has and will continue to provide for us today. But when you look at the Bible, you understand that these times are not a surprise to those who are studying the word of God. The Apostle Paul now says to us, look, look at what God's word says. These are not new. The student of scripture, and I say that again, the one who's reading his Bible, the young lady who is spending hours in her Bible. Let me say something to our young folks. You know, this virus is not exempt to the younger generation. Just recently on the news, they said those between 20 and 44, there's a spike in the rise of this coronavirus, the COVID-19, among the young. So many believe that it's just susceptible to the older population. But I tell you what, friends, disease is not discriminate. It affects the old and the young. Young people, put down your devices and pick up God's word. Get off of Facebook and start facing the book. Put down Instagram, those moments that give you joy and find joy in the presence of God. That's the only place that we can find joys forevermore. In a world that keeps us enamored by pleasure and entertainment, turn off the television and get into the presence of Christ because one day all the power in the world will be shut off. One day there will be no more answers. This is the time to get back in touch. And if you don't know Christ, this is a perfect time to say, Lord, I don't know who you are. I've never given my life to you, but give me an indication. Show me that you are real. Friends, when you pray that prayer, no matter where you are, whether you're in Europe or in Asia, whether you're in the Caribbean islands, whether you're in South America or in Russia, wherever you are, God will answer that prayer. God understands every language and he's listening and open to the cries of his children. The Apostle Paul gives us a very clear picture. Notice what he says to the student of the Bible, those studying Bible prophecy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4 and 6, these words are inspiring. He says, but you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. In other words, you should have known this is coming, not necessarily the disease, but tough times. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, notice the encouragement, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch, let us watch and be sober. Friends, watch and be sober. Two powerful words, watch and be sober. What, are, what should people of God be doing? Watch and be sober. That means don't watch the wrong things, watch the right things. Don't watch just for the next news broadcast. I'll tell you what, as I flip through the channels from ABC and Fox and NBC and MSNBC and CBS and BBC and Al Jazeera, it seems like they have all conglomerated together to bring us bad news. But the reality is, the reality is we must be sober. We must watch. Watch with, with a vigilance because it is in these crisis times that Satan is looking for those that are not watching. That's why the apostle Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There are those that are saying, well, like every other disease, this is gonna also pass. Well, that may be true, but friends, the worst is yet ahead of us. Like any other pandemic, somebody's going to survive. Well. You may not know whether or not you will survive, but when you put your life in the hand of the Lord, there is no need for despair when you're standing with Christ. 
Graves may be filled, but I'll tell you, there's going to be a resurrection morning. People are dying, and it's so sad to hear the numbers going up. But anyone who dies in the Lord, there's hope and encouragement. The future is not bleak. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. They're also saying that even though you may not die from this disease, the impact could be irreversible to your lungs and to your future. So do all that you must do. But the most essential thing that you can do is find a Bible. Call your friends on the phone. Pray with them. Pastors, call your church members. Pray with them. Encourage them. Send out emails, words of encouragement. Don't go on Facebook and put frivolous things. Put, I'm praying for you. If you have friends, send them encouraging words. Take quotations from the Bible and post it. This is the hour. If Facebook is going to help us at all, put something that can bring somebody hope and encouragement in this dark hour. There are things that we can all do, but let's do those things that will bring hope and courage and light to somebody. There are those who are all by themselves. There are those who are retirees. There are those who are older people. It seems like their world has been silent for so long. If you know of someone that's older, that's silent, you may go and knock on their doors. If you can help them with groceries, can bring some encouragement, bring them food or bring them water. Seek to do a good deed at this crisis hour. Go to your neighbors at a distance, as we know, social distancing, but see what you can do to bring hope and courage and light to somebody that may not know Christ. I tell you what, when the news is passed and when finally we know by God's grace, one day, even this pandemic will pass, the relationships that we build at this time will last far beyond the bad news. See, God is calling his people to turn their light on. God is calling Christians to stand firmly in this hour. God is calling us to say, it's not just about what you believe, but who are you? Let people see Christ shining through you. Let your neighbors say, I know I've seen them go to church from week to week, but it's so good to see them smile at me and bring me words of encouragement. Take a track. Put a, put a CD on somebody's doorstep. Bring light to their homes. I received a phone call the other day from somebody whose town has been shut down. And he said to me, a doctor, he said, you know, day by day we are encouraged. We're playing your music and it brings us hope and it brings us encouragement. Friends, that's what God is calling us to do. This is a crisis hour and there's something that God's people must be prepared to do. Which brings me to a very important point. Point number one, what should we do? Notice. The signs around us is a call to readiness. The signs around us is a call to readiness. When my wife and I get ready for vacation, we don't wait till the day of vacation to pack. We get ready ahead of time. We are looking at the world today. We cannot wait for things to get worse to get ready. There are people today that can't go to the bank. Banks are closed. There are people that can't even go and get money that are being sent by loved ones because the points of touch are closed. And all the things that we thought will always be there, like water and food. We go to some of the stores and all the bread is gone. And in some cases, even dog food in some cases is gone. I brought, it brought a smile to my mind when somebody called me and said, I couldn't find my favorite dog food. Even my dog is suffering. Everybody's included. But friends, this calls for a time of readiness. Being ready is what the Lord wants us to do. Notice why we must all be ready. In the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 39 and 40, Dr. Luke tells us through the inspiration of the words of Christ why we should be ready. He said this, But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Notice verse 40. Therefore you also, look at the next two words, be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Let me emphasize those words again. Be ready. You can say that with me. Be ready. That's right, friends. Be ready. Don't allow yourself to be caught off guard. You know why? We cannot wait for the world to get worse before we get better. We've got to get better before the world gets worse. We've got to be ready. We can't wait for the plane to land to say, I must buy a ticket. We can't wait for the train to pull away to say, I'm not sure if that's my train. We've got to be ready because the reality is we do not know when Jesus is coming. But he did say, when all these things begin to happen, 
It's time to be ready. Get your spiritual bags packed. Get your life in order. Confess your sins. Put your life before the Lord and say, Father, show me the things that I need to change in my life. Show me the habits I need to lay down. Show me the direction that I must take. And God will give you guidance. He'll send his Holy Spirit to convict your heart. You can pray for your loved ones. I've been praying for my loved ones. I have family members that don't know Christ. And I'm praying that in this pandemic hour, their hearts would be open to the voice of the Spirit of God. You can write names down. Begin to activate your prayer life. Now that you have time, now that you're home from school, you're home from church, you're home from work, don't sit idly by. Don't sit by wondering who's going to bring answers because the answers are already there. Open God's Word. Begin to write down the names of those family members that you're praying about. Begin to pray for your brother, your sister. Pray for your husband, your wife. Pray for your community. Pray for your clergy. This is the time that God's people must be ready. We cannot wait for the world to get worse before we get better. We've got to get better before the world gets worse. In the book, Testimonies for the Church, volume 9 and page 11, these words are so fitting. Notice why we must understand what's coming. We are told the calamities by land and sea, the unsettled state of society, that's where we find ourselves. The alarms of war are portentous, meaning you can hear them sounding everywhere. The forecast of approaching, the, they forecast approaching events of the greatest magnitudes, but it gets deeper. The agencies of evil are combining their forces and consolidating. They are strengthening for the last great crisis. Great changes, what kind of changes? Great changes are soon to take place in our world and the final movements will be rapid ones. You may have heard that quotation before, rapid ones. What does rapid mean? That means by the time you hear the plane coming, it's past. The, the movements of our day, like, like a jet breaking the sound barrier, by the time you hear the boom, it's already passed. The final movements will be rapid ones. Friends, what an urgency. The final movements will be rapid. That means before you can think about what's going to happen next, it's happening. Before you can think of the bills being selected, there, there are those who are saying, Pastor, could this possibly be the opening of the doors for the Sunday law coming in? I don't know. But it doesn't mean that we have to wait until that time to have a relationship with Christ. Don't look for specific things to occur to say, well, this is now when I should get ready. Friend, the time has come because the final movements will be rapid. They will unfold before you can even think of what to do next. That's why God wants his people to be on guard, to be awake, to understand that as urgent as it is, the people of God must be urgent also. What also amazes me, though, and I've been looking at some of the people that are in society that are complacent. You know, there are those that are saying, well, I'm going to go to the beach as normal. I'm going to surf as normal. I'm going to live my life because this is no big deal. There are those who are denying the urgency and the critical nature of the hour. But even that is a sign of the coming of the Lord. Notice the Apostle Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. He calibrates and helps us understand why that attitude exists. He said these words to us. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. That's why people are doubting. Walking according to their own lusts, meaning their own ideas, their own desires. And they're saying, verse 4, where is the promise of his coming? They're saying that to Christians. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Well, friends, you've got to be unaware because things have changed from the time I went to school. Since I've been married, things have changed. Things have changed in just the last month. Since December of 2019, things have drastically changed. You have got to be in serious denial to think that things haven't changed. Things are changing so quickly. Things are changing so rapidly that we cannot predict when I turn on the evening news looking for good news and then they say, well, the death toll has climbed. And there's a phrase being used in the news today. They're saying, we're trying to flatten the curve, meaning they're trying to get ahead of the virus. They don't want to see this exponential spike in death tolls. But friends, there's only one person that can calm that down and his name is Jesus. There's only one person that can bring hope in this climbing hour, in this curve flattening moment, 
and his name is Jesus. But I'm praying. I am surely praying. My wife and I commit ourselves to prayer every day and every evening. We open our Bibles. We are reading through the book of Psalms. And I want to tell you, it's encouraging. What a place to find hope in this crisis hour. But there are those that say, it doesn't matter. This is how the world has always been. And they deny the very signs that are taking place about us. But the reality is, the world has changed forever, and so should we. The world is collapsing, and this is the hour when the people of God should be rising. The world is on its way down. Soon the people of God are going to be on their way up to meet Jesus. Oh, friends, let me encourage you. This is the time to get ready. This is the time to have your bags already packed by the front door when we hear the trumpet, when we see the economy firmly collapse, they're going from the word recession now to the word depression. Who wants to hear that word? It's saying to us one day, and you think about the Great Depression in America in the 1930s, in the early 40s. When you think of the Great Depression, that's not what America wants to see. That is not what we want to hear. Bread lines, soup lines, banks were totally ineffective. They had no answers for the collapsing society. We do not want to see a depression. But here's the reality. If a depression hits, it's not going to be America alone. It's going to be England and the islands of the sea and Australia and the Asian countries and the Spanish countries. Every continent from the north to the south to the east to the west will be depressed Friends, in this depressing hour, there's a place that I have found that I can turn where there is no depression. I can speak to the Lord and I can open his word and hear him speak back to me. Friends, don't be caught by depression. This is the time that we should not look to recession or even think about the collapsing markets, but think about a place where there is no collapsing market. The Lord still owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He still says the gold and silver is mine. As a matter of fact, in an hour of food shortage, the Lord says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't even tell you. Though earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And here's the good news. If he can provide for Elijah in his hour of crisis, my friends, he can provide for your family. He can provide for your children. While we're home teaching our children, some parents have now been given the daunting task of being a teacher trying to train their children. They have now taken on the task of giving their children educational instruction but friends, let me tell you something. Before you enter into educational instruction, enter into scriptural instruction. Open the Bible and say to your young people, your children, your son, your daughter, say to them, let's go to God's word. And I want to tell you, he can equip you to do things as the Bible says. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that will be willing or is at work in you. Also pray for 3ABN. We're praying for your prayers. We want you to keep praying for us. We're praying for your financial support. We have stepped up our programming. We want to do all that we can to bring hope and encouragement to your hearts. You can reach out and make a difference in this ministry as we are working with a skeleton crew. But I want to tell you, they're working tirelessly because this is the hour where God is calling for soldiers to endure hardship, which takes me to the second and very important point. The condition of the world is a call to change. The condition of the world is a call to change. Change. Think about change. What in your life can you change? What habits can you lay down? What, what addiction can you give to the Lord? What thing has been binding you for so long? What chain of circumstances have you been praying to lay down and give to Christ? I tell you, friends, if ever there was a time for change, this is the hour for change. Why change? We cannot do the same thing expecting different results. We cannot live for the world expecting heaven. We, we cannot live and practice darkness and expect light to show up. We've got to change something. Say, Lord, show me what I need to change. And there are some of you that know what needs to change in your life. There are those of you that have been denying and God has been calling you for years. But I want to tell you right now, you're locked into your home. You're afraid to go to the elevator. You don't want to go to your car. 
You don't want to rub shoulders with your neighbors. You may be in large cities where you don't want to touch hands. You don't want to, you're afraid that the disease or the virus may be on something around you. And you're now hopelessly locked into your apartment. And because you don't know Christ, you're afraid to call him. I want to tell you what. He's willing to hear your voice, even if this is the first time you call his name. Say, Jesus, come close to me. Heavenly Father, come and speak to my heart. Bring hope to my apartment. Bring hope to my family. Bring encouragement to my children. Help me to see what I must do in this crisis hour. Why should we change? Because there are those who, if the restaurants were still open, they would go. If the malls were still open, they would go. But let's take a lesson from the pages of history as Matthew, the converted tax collector, tells us what kind of hour we're living in. Notice in Matthew chapter 24, verses 38 and 39. Notice he talks about an hour when people didn't change either. He says, for as in the days before the flood, notice, they were eating and they were drinking. They were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And here's the sad reality. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. But look at the caption. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Think about it. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Matthew is saying, there are those who didn't change anything. They continued eating and drinking. Is there anything wrong with eating and drinking? No. But friends, don't allow your habits to rob you of your salvation. Is there anything with, wrong with buying and selling? No, but we cannot live for the world and expect the outcome to be heavenly. There's something that must be changed in our lives. Matthew said they didn't change. They refused to change. There are those that continue drinking alcohol. There are those that continue smoking, saying it doesn't really matter. I'll enjoy myself. And the, when this is passed, I'll go back to life as usual. But I want to tell you, We've all experienced 9-11 on some stage, either in America or around the world in 2001. Everybody remembers 9-11, but right now, the world is on its own 9-1-1. Emergency is everywhere. This is the hour that change must take place in our hearts. Change must take place in our lives. Why is change so important? Notice once again, I go to the inspired words Councils for the Church, page 335. Notice why change is so imperative. We are told, soon grievous troubles will arise among nations, among the nations and friends it already has. Troubles that will not cease until Jesus comes. Listen to these sobering words. As never before, we need to press together, serving him who has prepared his throne in the heavens and whose kingdom ruleth over all. And this is powerful. God has not forsaken his people and our strength lies in not forsaking him. What an encouraging word. God has not forsaken us. He refuses to forsake us. But friends, the trouble is, have we forsaken him? Have we turned our backs on Christ? Have we said, I'm done with a God who allows disease? I want to make it very clear. What God allows, God does not orchestrate. He did not orchestrate this virus. He did not send this disease. The Bible says every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in which there is no shadow of turning, meaning he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is not a bad guy tomorrow and a good guy yesterday. God is not one who uses disease and then uses prayer. Oh, God is the same all the time. We've got to give the credit, if there's ever one, to the one who's behind this. The same enemy that tainted the atmosphere in the days of Job, Satan, is the same one that is working in the laboratories of darkness, in the laboratories of hell to bring about disease and disaster and suffering. He's hoping to get men distracted from the crisis ahead of us. Because when all the crises have passed, the only real question is, are we ready for Jesus to come? And Jesus is giving the world time to turn to him and be saved. This is the time he's saying, brethren, the furnace is heating up seven times hotter than it was before. 
There are more lions in the den. Don't enter a den filled with lions until you know Christ. Don't enter a fiery furnace until you are, until you are committed to stand with Christ because we cannot enter such situations and hope for Christ to be on our sides. We've got to stand with him. As the Bible says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He's not fleeing from us. He's fleeing from the Christ to whom we have drawn close. He's fleeing from the Christ that we know through prayer. I want you to pray. Sometimes you want to get together with your families. If you have a hymnal, maybe on your digital device, maybe you can download from the internet. Sit with your children. Sing them songs of hope, songs of encouragement before you lay your children to bed at night. Say to them, Mommy and Daddy is here. There's no need to fear. God is on the throne. He will carry us through. Friends, I'm praying that in this crisis hour, you decide to change whatever is standing between you and the Lord. You are willing to lay that aside and change. And I said again, God is giving his people time. Why is he giving us time? Because he wants us to be saved. Notice the words of the apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Here is the reason why the Lord is giving the world more time. He says in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but as long-suffering, praise God for that word, long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How many friends? All should come to repentance. That means there's room at the cross for everyone. There's room at the cross for every nationality. There's room at the cross for every nation, every kindred, every tongue, every people. This is the hour when the three angels' messages will be echoed off of the one continent after the other. Whether large populations or small villages, this is the hour where the message needs to be proclaimed that the Lord is not willing that any should perish. Think about it. When he says that he's not willing that any should perish, he's in essence saying to us, there's room for you. There's room for your family. There's room for your spouse. There's room for your husband. There's room for your wife. There's room for your children that have strayed away. Pray for them. Keep them before the Lord. Because repentance will bring conversion and conversion will bring change. If you're going in the wrong direction, friends, don't forget it. Get off the next exit and change your direction. The Lord is waiting for you. And when you change your direction, he will be, listen carefully, don't make Jesus the co-pilot. Give him the steering wheel and he'll guide your life into a place where blessings are there forevermore. And my third and final point, this is the hour when the people of God ought to be awake. Ought to be awake. That's right. The alarm clock is saying, wake up. Wake up, everybody. This is the time to be awake. Don't sleep and slumber past this solemn hour. The words of the Apostle Paul ring into our ears. In Romans chapter 13, notice these words, verses 11 to 14, some of my favorite words in the Bible. He says, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Wake up, my brother and sister. Why? For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. You thought it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It's a lot nearer today. Notice what else he says. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Verse 13. Let us walk properly or honestly as in the day, not in revelry, that is in dancing and partying and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but I love these next two words, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Notice, take off the past and get ready for the future. Take off the world and get ready for heaven. Take it off and put it on. Take off your past life and get ready for the future that God has in store for you. And I could tell you, as one who took a hold of God's hand, my best life began when I gave my life to the Lord. He delivered me from the world of New York City, from the partying and the gambling, the pool hustling and the nightlife. 
And I want to tell you, it's been nothing but uphill from there. Have there been trials? Yes. But it's better to be in the boat in a storm with Christ than be outside of the boat where there is no hope without Christ. It's better to be walking with him through the winds of life, knowing that he's holding your hand, than to try to walk through it alone. It's better to face the valley of the shadows of death with Christ than to try to face the valley of the shadows of death without him. Take off your past and get ready for God's future. Take off the world and get ready for heaven. Here's the reason why. Another quotation in the book, Child Guidance. Look at this. We are to, first, the biblical evidence that we are alive is look at child guidance. Notice what it says to us. Transgression has almost reached its limit. Confusion fills the world. And a great terror is soon to come upon human beings. The end is very near. God's people should be preparing for what is to break upon the world. Get this, as an overwhelming surprise. Friends, people don't see what's coming. An overwhelming surprise. That's why Isaiah the prophet says these words. Notice what he says to us. Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7. He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. That is, return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Praise God that he's still a God who pardons. Which brings me to my last point. This is the time that God's people must hold up the light. In this hour of darkness, it's time to hold up the light. Let your light so shine. Don't dim it. Brighten it by the study of God's word. Don't dim it. Sharpen it by the study and prayer life that you now enter into. Here's the reason why. Why should the people of God turn up the light? Isaiah makes it clear in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 and 2. Notice what he says. He says in the word of God, arise and shine. That is to the people of God. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Look at the climate. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Oh, friends, what a promise. The Lord is saying, in this hour of great darkness, let your light shine. In this hour when people are looking for hope, let the character of Christ radiate from you. Let the joy of the Lord still be upon your face. Let your face not be a face of crisis and worry, but let your face be a face of calm and blessed assurance because the Lord has not forsaken his people. The world is getting darker the children of God must shine brighter. And what's the benefit of shining brighter? Notice the words of the Apostle John in 1 John 1 verse 7. He says this to us. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Friends, it's time to walk in the light. How do we do that? Hold up the truths of God's word. Walk in in the truth of God's word. Share the Jesus of the word. That's what he wants us to do. Hold up the truths of God's word. Walk in the truths of God's word and share the Jesus of the word. And watch this. When we do our part, an even better pandemic will cover the world. I use the word pandemic. Follow. Right now, there's disease everywhere. There's no hope everywhere. There's collapsing markets and financial crises everywhere. But look at the best pandemic that is yet to come. A good pandemic, if I might say. In the book Habakkuk 2 and verse 14, these are our ending words. The Lord says through the prophet Habakkuk, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Did you hear that, friends? The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Where is that glory going to be seen? It's going to be seen in your praying life, in your trusting life, 
in the life that is sitting before the Lord in hope and courage. Friends, we here at 3ABN encourage you to trust God. The pandemic has come, but Jesus is soon to come. Pray for us as we pray for you. Trust God as we know that he's the only one we can trust. And soon the pandemic will be passed and Jesus will become. God bless you until we see you again. Well, folks, this concludes my first of many special broadcasts about pandemic, four things of God, but it's called pandemic, four things that people of God should know, I should say. I hope you found this inspirational. I hope you found this educational and I hope you found this to be a blessing for your life. Until next time, this is Joseph saying thanks for listening and bye-bye. Mic off.